Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're listening First Time Dads! With me, Richard Innes. And me, Steve Meyer. Hello! This week, we caught up with uh, Jennifer Day, who's a parent, coach and counsellor, and whose new book, Intuitive Parenting, How to Tune Into Your Innate Wisdom, is what we discussed. Yeah, um, Jennifer was fantastic. She talked a lot about um, emotional intelligence and basically sort of framing slightly differently the way you approach certain parenting challenges and trying to strip out a lot of the anxiety and insecurity. Um, as you will hopefully hear in a moment, it definitely struck a chord with me. So um, hopefully it will do with you too. Jennifer, thank you for coming in to talk to us. Thank you for having me. Um, so tell us about your book. Tell us about intuitive parenting, because we're, you know, we, we talk so, much, so often about so many different styles of parenting on this podcast and so many different issues within, within parenting. What specifically do you mean by intuitive? I, I realise the answer to this question is read my book, mm. but <laughs> what, could you sum up for us what you mean by intuitive parenting? Well, intuitive parenting really is the capacity we all have to, to tune in to our children and the unique beings that each of them are mm-hmm. and parent to what they need, mm-hmm. so parent to the specific child. And we can only do that if we can tune into ourselves. And today, I think more than ever, there's so many distractions, there's so many books, there's so mm-hmm. much information and podcasts yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, blogs and, and what, whatever. That it's too much, it's yeah, too yeah. much. And people get overwhelmed. A lot of it's contradictory, a lot of the information. That's what there. we find. We you find get that. overwhelmed and you end up... You end up Whatever decision you make, to your point about the sheer quantity of information yeah. out there, whatever decision you make, you, you can make yourself feel bad about that decision because mm-hmm. there will be evident, evidence, in inverted commas, uh, that you're making the wrong choice. Yes, absolutely. Mm. And you change, you change your mind as well halfway through parenting, you know, that you think, well, I'm going to do it this way. And then you think, well, actually, this doesn't seem to be working. Let's mm. try something else and something that mm-hmm. you previously discounted. You might, uh, you might return to. So I'm going through some sleep issues at the moment mm-hmm. and so we had discounted sleep training as a concept and we've now jackson's a bit older we've revisited it and it seems to be having a bit more success but i think that's because we've adjusted how we were going to do how we're doing it you know we've just just approached it in a slightly different way mm-hmm. um but yeah it's easy I, I, in your experience children react to their parents lead Yes, very much so. And and there are two things here that, that I think are very important. One is that we, we're we overwhelmed by too much information and all that, and that cre- creates stress and anxiety. And that stress blocks the brain. Mm-hmm. It blocks the centers in the brain that give us the capacity to tune into our children and that give us the capacity to tune into ourselves. So then we get into this stress loop and we're busy mm-hmm. taking the advice of so-called experts and neighbors and mothers and fathers and God knows who. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 then we just make decisions based on on the peer pressure, yep. if you will, and based on a stress response. We're having a stress reaction. 
and inevitably that's not going to work. No. So do you think, uh, I'm curious, in terms of intuitive parenting as a concept, mm-hmm. does does a parenting strategy fit into that? Because from what you're saying, I'm, I'm thinking about my own situation, for instance, where I've got my two-year-old son, Ben, sitting on my lap. And occasionally I'll be thinking about, I, I try and think about things strategically and I try and think about how to approach it in terms of what what would work and what wouldn't. And actually the times perhaps where, and I'm thinking about just last night where I managed to have a very successful bath time with him because we ended up playing a game as we were going up the stairs and I, I, and it felt that was more kind of akin to what you're talking about, intuitive parenting. I could see what he wanted or needed mm-hmm. at that point and we just did it mm. and it worked. Yes. So does the, does the kind of idea of having an overarching parenting strategy, as it were, not really fit in with what you're talking about? Not not really, no, because each child is different, so mm. especially if you have more than one, and they also change as they grow. Mm. And, um, and, and this uh, capacity to connect to our child is, um, is well, first of all, it, it results in more appropriate uh, parenting for that child because you are the expert of your children. Yeah. Let me repeat that. You are the expert (laughs) of your children. I am not, and neither is anybody else who might sit in this chair. But also, um, also you, when you really tune into yourself, then you have the capacity to know which advice to take when you do need to take advice. Mm. You're much more likely to connect to intuitively. Oh, that's the one I need for Mm. Ben. And that's the piece of advice. Uh, it's a bit different for the for the next child. Mm. So if Rich and I came to you independently for a, for a, a, a session or a, mm-hmm. some help, what? How would we start off? What's the pro? What's the first sort well, of the, steps? The first thing I start with is is to find out what you what what you really believe in. What are your values? What are your core values? And then I would ask you if you imagine your child leaving home and going off to wherever they're going, what would make you sleep well at night knowing that they have embodied five core values that you've given them? That's a great question. I mean, my goodness. That, I suppose that's something you kind of th- you think around that question, don't you, rather than actually addressing it. Mm-hmm. I know kind of what I want my boys to grow up believing in and thinking and standing for. This is about Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> they do not need to be football fans a, I mean I'd like them to be of course but they don't need to be uh, do you know what one thing I often think about is um, about being true to yourself mm-hmm. I often think that you know you think about well depends who you grow up to be is in you know that's out of my hands I can help you along the way there but I've often thought about I do envisage those future conversations a conversation you can't have with a toddler but those conversations with the boys when they're 12 13 15 and just telling them, just be who you are, stick stick true mm-hmm. to that, don't feel you need to change for anybody. Mm-hmm. And I've often thought that, I've envisaged those conversations, you know, if one of them was to come to me with a, some great kind of personal crisis, and I kind of do think about, and I don't know, maybe that's just me, maybe lots of other parents do that as well, mm-hmm. I don't know, but I have... I have kind of had those hypothetical conversations in my mind. So is that the type of thing you're talking about? Yeah, also that that we do, we do. I think nearly everybody does that. Mm. But we also then often mistakenly think that values are passed on through osmosis. This is not, which is not the case, actually. They need to be communicated. It it does need to be communicated. And to your point, it needs to be demonstrated. Mm. So children will follow what you do. Yes. You know, and how you feel. Yes. And if what you do is not congruent with how you feel, yes, then that's going to be a problem. They'll pick up on the relationship that they observe in the close proximity between my wife and I. Yeah. So if they see that as a uh, inclusive, warm, loving, friendly, mm-hmm. happy relationship, 
that's a good basis for their other relationships, I guess, isn't yeah. it? Whereas if they see a really dysfunctional home life where there's, you know, domestic violence and that kind of mm-hmm. thing, then that's, I guess, where they're going to take their yeah. their things. And it's I, amazing I, how quickly they pick up on that. I mean, but, you know, Ben is only just two mm-hmm. and he will now, if my wife and I start having a crossword about, so, you know, just a sort of bickering like you would, mm-hmm. like any married couple does, and there's some sort of, he can, even if the voices aren't raised, he picks up on the tone and he'll say, stop talking, mummy, stop talking, daddy. And he picks up on it and you think, and it's really quite terrifying when you think, my Lord, we're not even really arguing here. He's, he can just pick up that there's, you know, some displeasure in, in the tone mm. of my voice or something. And he knows and he jumps on it. So you do, it does make you realise that on those occasions where maybe you do have an argument in the front of the car about God knows what, and he's sitting in the back. Mm. They do pick up on these things, don't yeah. they? And they but pick what? on it when you try and in uh, communicate to each other like, Listening to every word we're saying, you know, mm. you're trying to do it covertly, and he he's he's picking up everything. They pick up your feelings, mm. so if it's incongruent too, if you mm. pretend everything's fine when it isn't, that doesn't work either. Mm. That just makes them feel insecure. So I I like to say that your children are go. You are their relationship school. Mm-hmm. So is it better to always be honest with them in the sense that I, I'm, and I know Steve does this as well, but I'm always very keen to make sure that that Ben knows that it's okay to be angry. It's not okay to necessarily Mm -hmm. shout at someone, or you certainly can't push anyone, but it's okay to be angry, or it's okay to be sad. People get sad sometimes. So is it better to have have that honesty about how you're feeling as a parent and tell them, no, daddy's feeling a bit sad at the moment, or daddy, sorry, daddy got a bit angry, or, you know, Mm -hmm. is it better to have that open honesty? with? Yes, absolutely. And it's also an opportunity to teach them how to manage emotions. Mm. So it's okay to be angry. What are you going to do with that anger? Mm. Are you going? You, it's not okay to punch mummy when you're angry, but mm. you could punch a pillow. Mm. So it's okay to be angry, but it's the expression of it. Mm. So you, when you feel angry and you're trying to hide it, it's better that you a either manage it, so take a parent time out, and or or you say, "Daddy's really upset right now. I need to go and and see what I could do about that, and I'll be back in five minutes." Mm. And that has a double benefit because then the child sees how to do it how to manage Mm. emotions Mm. if you're authentically doing it as as well as that you are you are being authentic in your communication it's tough though isn't it because parenting you're learning on the job Mm. it's not like when you do your when you're in the, your career, you do a job and then the next job you do, you're like, oh, well, I learned something from that job. And the next one I'm going to do a bit better, change mm. it slightly. Everything you do, every second that goes past is, you know, you can't wind back and go, I'm going to do that mm. again. I uh, remember my brother saying to me, because my brother had kids before I did. And um, I remember talking to him when my wife was pregnant with our first boy about this idea of, you know, God, well, what sort of parent am I going to be? And how are we going to, you know, what sort of parents are we going to be together as a couple and all these things? And he made the point to me, as he had two very small children at the time, he said, Rich, it's all well and good talking about parental strategies and all the rest mm. of it. He says, once you're in the midst of it, believe me, it's day-to-day survival. And you are just reacting to things the best <laughs> way you possibly can, but you have to make those decisions on the fly at, at that very moment. And there's no chance to refer back to what you, whatever your great philosophy no, is. No, no. And so I suppose <laughs> I'm curious as how that fits into what you're saying. I suppose that, that's intuition, right? Because yeah. you're not able to refer to some kind of you know virtual document you've got in your mind about what sort of dad I want to be. Mm-hmm. You are literally having to make those decisions mm-hmm. in a snap. But I guess you, you can be, we were talking before we started recording, about consistency though. Yeah. And if you're a couple, you can be consistent in your uh, approach to discipline, if you like, for, just to pick an mm-hmm. example, to make sure that if um, isn't 
dad says something, mum's going to say the same mm. thing. Yeah. Not this idea that I'm going to go to the parent that's going to give me the answer I want to hear. Mm-hmm. What's what's the yeah. trick then in keeping that consistency? Well, one of the well, the first thing is what I was saying earlier about core values is mm. to is to know what your values are. A because that's really who you are. That's your blueprint of who you really are. It's what determines what really pushes your buttons in a way that you don't want to unpush, mm. if you will. So if you, if you really it really pushes your buttons that you, when you see injustice, then and, but you don't want to you want to stay angry with that. Well, then you need to find a way to channel it. Mm. That's a core value. Mm. And not everybody has the same core values. And so to discuss that with your partner so that you're on the same page, Mm. then you also know what drives you and you know what stresses you out. Mm. And that gives you a a really good foundation. I'm not sure many people do know that, to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not, I think I probably can pick a couple of examples, but I, I, it's almost probably like almost worth asking my wife. Yeah, mm. but that's she would be in a better position because <laughs> yeah. she's observed me. That's the thing, and the irony is, you will know on some level in the same way that I'm the same as you. I couldn't sit here right now and tell you. I know what but some I of know. yours are. <laughs> <laughs> Just from doing this podcast, yeah. probably. Yeah, from trying not to lose my temper. I mean, my temper is is my issue. I, I do lose my temper, mm. and not to any sort of disturbing or odd degree. I just get very frustrated. So, so parent timeout might be good for you then. Yeah. So my thing is, um, <laughs> I, and I, somebody, another guest we had on the podcast actually recently made me realise this that I'm talking to Ben as if he's 13. Oh. You know, it's one of those things. It's mm. almost like I'm expecting it. Why? Are you, why are you behaving like that? And actually, he's a two-year-old. You know, so sometimes I have to try and remind myself. But it's you know, so I suppose it's very, very common, isn't it? People get frustrated with their two-year-old child because yeah. they're screaming about something entirely irrational, and they also don't know why they behave mm. the way they do. So asking them why is is. Yeah. Uh, I've been trying, I, I had almost been trying to get into a conversation to say, right. to, you know, as a, almost like a post-mortem and mm-hmm. say, now, do you know why that was naughty? You know, you, you tried to hit mummy. Now, that's not okay. That's why daddy got angry. And, and actually, I th- it was one of our previous guests who said, no, no, th- you, there's no point. That's that's point. He's two, you know, maybe when he's five, but <laughs> he's two now. So um, it's it's interesting what we're picking up as we're doing mm-hmm. this podcast because things that I, th- you know, that that to me, seemed like a really positive thing to be doing, to be trying to have a conversation and very calmly talk about yeah. things. And actually, yeah. that might have been having more of a negative effect than a positive well, one. Well, it, it, this is this uh, actually speaks to the neuroscience, or this wonderful neuroscience that's come out recently that I refer a lot to and use with my clients a lot. Um, the part of the brain that you're speaking to is the front part of the brain, and it has to do with logic, reasoning. It's not developed. It's not developed at five even. Really? It's only just wow. starting. Okay. You can have that kind of logical conversation. Maybe when there's sort of six, seven, you can mm. start having and, and expecting to get mm. some sort of response. But this is where emotions, you know, and emotional intelligence we were talking about earlier mm. plays a part because emotions drive everything. Mm. So your child is first and foremost an emotional being. Mm-hmm. Your emotions drive what you think, right? So you're angry because you see something. So then you mm. have a thought and then you do. Right. So if you go back, backtrack, backtrack to your emotions and say, for example, in the, the example you're giving, you're giving there, you say to your son, oh, uh, you're angry. Well, that daddy's angry, too. What should we do with this anger? Let's mm. go punch a punching bag <laughs> and then let's dance around and make ourselves feel better. Yeah. And actually to use it as an opportunity. Mm. So it's pure emotion without any reason or logic attached. Yeah. yeah. That does make sense. Yeah. Uh, I could, And in fact, I can picture that i can see he would enjoy that he would enjoy being able to use his emotion without having to 
without having some big man ask him to think about it in a yeah. way that he's not possible. He's not. It's he's not, not capable. capable. Of doing, he yeah. doesn't have the capacity. I, it's really interesting. I've noticed we, we've just started to use this concept of a, a, a naughty step, not yeah. a not particular step, but like a kind of a timeout place that if something happens, um, it's like don't don't do that, don't do that, Jackson. Okay, right. Let's go and have a sit down over there. You sit there for a couple of minutes, and then it gives you an opportunity, or give, seems to give you opportunity, me an opportunity to step away from whatever it is that's causing some anxiety, and him to step away from it, and then we then reconnect and say, "What what what happened? Why why are we sat here?" And he'll say, "Because I hit Iris," and I say, "We don't want to hit Iris, do we? Are you sorry, is this sorry? I hit Iris," and it it means that. We don't. I don't then get to a point where I'm uh, reacting at the height of um, the emotional, the emotional peak, if you like, because I don't think I'm necessarily making a rational decision because I'm het up because he's just hit his sister. <laughs> but by separating them, for example, it allows me to have a bit of time and him to have a bit of time, and it seems to be it seems to be working a little bit. Well, it, it's. It, I'm sure it's working when you're present. But if he's with somebody else, mm. I wonder, is he learning why he shouldn't hit his sister? That that's because that's not mm. kind? Mm. or uh, And he's still a bit young to really yeah. understand that. Or and is he learning what to do with his desire to hit? Mm. So are you teaching him? So any moment for discipline is actually an opportunity to teach. Mm. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, parent timeout's good. You, you, I would suggest you go and sit on the naughty yeah. step. <laughs> my wife is going to love this by the way <laughs> and then and then with with him as i was saying to, to to you as well richard that you you ask him well what you know what what was that about you hit your sister what what we don't hit we don't hit yeah. in this house yeah. Yeah. right so what can you do instead yeah you were angry weren't you yeah. give him some words yeah. use your words when you're angry yeah. And yep. then what can you do with that? That's what you do say that because Iris yeah. is just coming to language and she makes that. Yeah. And so we say, Iris, use your words. Yeah. What's the matter? Use your words. Yeah. Um, and we said that with Jackson. Uh, 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 the naughty step is not a punishment. It's a, a way of just taking out of the, the the intensity of the moment. Yeah. If you could give him some something to do on the naughty step okay. because he's, he doesn't have the same thing. The brain is not no. capable of doing that kind of self-reflection. No. That you would do if you sat on the naughty step. Mm. So so go away and think about it. It doesn't kind of no. work. He'll be distracted and yeah. then he'll come back and he'll have calmed down because yeah. he's distracted, which in itself is okay, but it's not teaching him anything. No. So if you sit him on the naughty step, if you, you know, put him in a place where that's yeah. a bit nicer than a naughty step, but yeah. maybe some pillows. Yeah. Why don't you go and, you know, use your yeah. energy and, and take it out on the pillows yeah. and then do some breathing maybe. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. The thing I, the th- I uh, just to rewind a little bit to mm. the concept of emo- emotional intelligence, because I'm very, very curious about this and how, because obviously the word intelligence inherently we as- ascribe kind of academic ability to intelligence. So how, how do the two things correlate between a, a young, and I'm talking again, I guess at toddler age, the, the, that's what Steve and I are dealing mm. with on a daily basis. How does that sort of, academic is the wrong word to use when you're talking about kids that young but that kind of academic intelligence correlate with emotional intelligence is there any is there any link between the two no no there's there isn't any link between the two really um what's been shown is that emotional intelligence is so much more uh, of a factor in success and 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 achieving what you want in life than iq okay. and that goes back to studies done 
uh, I don't know if you've heard of the marshmallow test. No, no. That, that was a study done it at um, Stanford. I think it was Stanford University um, back in the 60s where a, a, a researcher named Walter Mitchell wanted to find out, he wanted to do a longitudinal study about um, what makes you succeed, what makes you happy and feel good about yourself. So he did, started a 20-year study that started off with putting children one at a time, four-year-olds, he had a whole lot of them, um, with different backgrounds, in, in one at a time in a studio with a marshmallow on a table. And then they would say, being filmed, say, well, I'm going to, Go away now for five minutes. If that marshmallow is still there when I come back, you get two. Oh, I've heard a version of this. Mm. I've heard a version of this. And, but you can eat it if you like, but if yeah. you do, you won't get a second one. Yeah. And, of course, what that show, it was very funny to, to see some Yeah, I've of, seen this on like the, the, the... They've reproduced yeah. it many times. Um, the original, if you can ever get a hold of it, is the funniest because the, <laughs> one little boy just bursts out crying, just bursts into tears straight away. Too much. It's too much. And, and another one is my favourite. The little girl, she picked up the marshmallow. She picks out a little piece underneath and puts it in her mouth and puts the marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's the one who's gone on to be the most successful in that. <laughs> one, yeah, I'm not quite sure. But anyway, so what, what was the conclusion of the study? Well, they followed them and they found that um, when they were ready to go to college, that the one, the only thing they all had in common, the ones who, who were going to college and who were doing well and who had good friendships and good relationships, they were the ones who waited for the second marshmallow. Okay. And, and again, all the way through life, and they only recently, a few years ago, connected with, some of them have passed away, but they connected with them again and, uh, and found the same thing. It's been consistent all the way through. Those who waited for the second marshmallow were the ones who... who See, the thing that I'm... So uh, when the, someone sends an email around at work about some free food, what can <laughs> <we>? <laughs> Rich is like the first... I'm the first man in the queue. It's, <laughs> it's the power of, of, of being able to wait, yeah. you know, that capacity. Of course, the more studies have been done and they've found all sorts of variables and other things that play a part. I was going to say... Isn't but that's the foundation for emotional intelligence. Isn't there a, an argument there that, that that's almost a, a, an academic type of intelligence in the sense that, okay, I've figured this out. If you're a young child, I, I know I know what... Best, I can end up with two here rather than one. Yes, um, yeah, th that is th that's an element that wasn't taken into consideration at the time. But the capacity to delay gratification that was an important part of the and found the foundation of emotional intelligence was this capacity to know what you're feeling and see. to start doing something about it. So the children who waited, it wasn't easy for them. So, mm. so if you watch the films of them, you know some of them talk to themselves. Some of them sort of walk their fingers around the marshmallow. They have little techniques, right? Mm. And that is the beginning of the self-regulation, mm. which really is the point, of, you know, and the, the, the key to emotional intelligence is the capacity to know your emotions and to self-regulate. So to know when it's appropriate. Interesting. To do what with your emotions. So for, for kids at the age that Jackson, Steve's eldest is, and mm. ben, ben, my eldest is, what, what are the kind of signs we should be looking out for in terms of, I mean, I'm not trying to sort of register my, my son's emotional <laughs> intelligence, but in terms of, whether it's something they might be struggling with or something mm. they're, they're doing very well with, what, what are the signs that you should be looking for? Well, I would rather look at it the other way and, say, and, and focus on that emotional intelligence can be taught. Mm -hmm. It's not like IQ. It's not, it, it, I mean, it's some, not inherent. No, some children are more, it's, they're more capable of it and, and it's easier. So I would say I myself was, had terrible emotional intelligence. <laughs> My daughter was brilliant. So uh, just naturally but we both had to learn. Mm. So the first thing you do is making them aware of what they're feeling. So giving names, like we were talking about. 
um, signs that they maybe need a bit more work would be that they're not that they ha- get very emotionally um, expressive inappropriately that they they have a lot of tantrums or they they uh, are not very well able to regulate. Mm-hmm. But but the sooner you teach them, and I have two granddaughters who've both been taught uh, around the age of eighteen months how to manage their themselves. And they're, they're not perfect by any stretch, but they do. Um, they know how to take themselves off. I feel angry. I'm going in my room, and stomp, 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 yep. bang, jumping on yep. the bed, lying on the floor, having a little tantrum, sitting up, hand on heart, doing some nice slow breaths looking at the fairies and then they're happy and come yeah. back in. See, it's interesting that in certain families, and I maybe I fall into this category, that initial bit of behaviour you just described could be seen as being naughty. You know, you're stomping yeah. off and you're slamming your door and all the rest of it. And I've never, <laughs> perhaps that, that yeah. I do sort of rush to judgment maybe a little and not seeing that actually, as you've said, that's actually just part of a process and that will be the easiest way for them to resolve how they're feeling mm-hmm. rather than me saying, stop, stop. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a three-part process, really. Mm-hmm. It's recognising what you're feeling, acknowledging it, and then releasing it in yeah. an appropriate way. Well, this is, yeah, this is really interesting. And then changing yeah. how you feel. Yeah, you know? the other day we were sat outside in the garden. It was me, Iris and Jackson. We were having their lunch, and Jackson was dropping food on the floor, copying Iris. She's the one-year-old. He was just copying her and dropping it, and she was seeing him doing it i said Jackson, don't do that your sister will copy you um and i said don't don't do it and i snapped at him and he took himself off the chair took his food into the kitchen scraped it into the bin put his plate in the sink walked off into the playroom and slammed the door behind him and then i, I just let him go and then i went and checked on him I opened the door and he was playing with his dinosaurs on the brilliant just taking himself yeah. out of the moment that. and gone off and done it. So now when he does that, we just let him go. Yeah. If you want to take yourself off and away, then, oh, then do perfect. it. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it is, it's, it's really fascinating to see him doing what you just said, which is making those decisions that yeah. I'm going to, you know, go off rather than just collapse onto the floor and start kicking and yeah. screaming and taking himself. And we tried to make his bedroom his place for that. You know, where it's got all of his bits that he loves. So he's got his bookshelf and he's got a nice bed and he's got a little armchair that he can sit in. And if he wants to, wants to go to your room, you, you can. You know, it's it's your safe place, mm. your your kind of like little den where daddy just, you know, go up there, daddy leave you alone. It's fine. You can mm. go, and do, go and do your thing. Yeah, interesting. And that will help him too and, and all, all children who are allowed to do that and who are allowed to be okay with their emotions and learn to manage them it 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 tends to to keep you in touch with your intuition mm. keeps so, you connected to that and it sets you up for yeah yeah a much more because my, my wife her, her biggest concern with me is that my my instinct and i'm trying i am trying my level best to rein this in mm. is to almost squash ben's anger a little bit and i'm aware i'm doing that and I, it it always happens almost instinctively and as soon as i've done it i think i've done it again and I'm trying not to do it, but for whatever reason, he starts kicking off, and I'm like, right, enough, you know, and sort of shutting him down a little bit. And she'll always say to me, don't, don't shut him down. He's got to, you know, learn to deal with his anger. And she's right, of course. And, you know, she will probably be listening yeah. to this, but <laughs> <laughs> she's right, of course. It's a little game you could play. You could have a family game called One, Two, Three, Scream. I like that, yeah. And she could say, right, we need to play One, Two, Three, Scream. 
Yeah. And then you say one, two, three, and everybody screams together. Yeah. And that's the end. How does that work in Pizza Express? <laughs> one, two, three, silent scream. Yeah, your one, two, three, silent scream. Like one, two, three, yeah, silent one, scream. two, three, scream wouldn't make you terribly popular I, with I, your fellow diners. But yeah. I found myself like Rich. We've spoken about this in previous podcasts. Of getting a bit of rage as a parent when you when you first become a parent. A lot of lot of anger, a lot of yeah. frustration, a lot of. Um, I mean, it's some some of it's tiredness, some of it's you, you know emotions. You don't know how to cope. Where, where's your place in the family unit? And I found myself getting cross in front of the kids mm. and anger, angry, and, and then started to take myself out of the room. Um, and I wonder if that Jackson's picked up some of that from watching daddy do it. Daddy yeah. goes out, daddy walks out the door and slams the door. or not slams the door, closes it, you know, uh, with some aggression. Um, <laughs> that uh, sounds like a slam, Steve. Yeah, it is a, it is a slam. <laughs> or, or walk down to the bottom of the garden. Yeah. You know, just walk down to the bottom of the garden, give yeah. myself like a, a moment, rather than feel the 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 boiling point come and Vesuvius yeah. erupts in front of everybody and then it's them that then leave rather than me. Yeah. Um, Great. That's interesting because I've done the polar opposite to that. Think, and now that we're sitting here talking about this, I've realised that I've been doing the wrong thing in the sense that there's some part of me that feels like if I leave, then I'm sort of abdicating responsibility or something. You know, there's some part of me that feels, well, I know I'm, I'm the dad here. I'm supposed to be mm-hmm. sorting this out. So I will allow myself to get really, really angry. And it's got to the point where occasionally my wife will say, look, just go and, you know, go and go upstairs or go and sit in the garden or whatever it might mm. be. And then I, I'm almost affronted. Like, well, I'm the parent here. I'm supposed to be sorting this out. But actually, Maybe especially you, from what you guys are saying, actually that, that would, would be the positive thing to do with yeah. to take myself away and show that, okay, I'm going to go and process yeah. my anger and then I'll come back in. Come back. It is important, though, it, that you say you're going to come back. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. That's really, really key. Yeah, I I need five minutes now yeah. and I'm gonna and then you come back in. I'll be back. I'll be back. And you come back in with a much more positive attitude and that they can see that you've daddy's changed. <laughs> oh, what did daddy do? Yeah, daddy's gone upstairs, taken his t shirt off, put a clean t shirt on, come back upstairs, and that's enough time. Yeah. Where did you go, Daddy? I just went to change some t shirt. <laughs> daddy's been screaming that's into enough. a pillow. Yeah, I've done that enough. a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you know, I, I'm aware we've been talking for half an hour. Good lord! Um, if this is whizzed by because there's been lots of very interesting. It's been really stuff. useful. I, I am. I'm looking at the back of of uh, Jennifer's book, Intuitive Parenting, and there's one line on here which I have to ask you about because okay. it sounds like the the magical solution to everything. It says, "Discover the one simple tool to managing your stress. So easy, your child can do it too." Well, it's sort of what we've been talking about, um, in a way. Well, I'll be more a bit more specific. So. Um, the biology of stress, right? It's in it's emotions are in your body, mm-hmm. right? And we tend to just think of it as a head thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a head thing, really. And and there's a little key, a little. Uh, I, I think it's sort of like a, a a really special piece of information, is that your heart, your heart has a rhythm. It's called heart rate variability. That is the space uh, between each heartbeat that creates a pattern that alters depending on what you're feeling, your emotion. Mm-hmm. And n- the, m- the more negative, if you will, or the more unpleasant your emotion, the more your system, your entire system, feels threatened. And this is you know, the brain's one threat system, which is designed for big brown bears and lions Fight and or flight. Fight or flight. We only have the one system, sadly, which is why our brain doesn't really cope very well with the very, very sophisticated society we've created, right? Because it's that one system that's activated all the time when, we, when we're when we having a reaction. 
So how do we intervene there? How do we stop that system? Because that system has um, the capacity to fight or flight, mm. um, and also not just by making us stronger, but also by shutting down certain centers in the brain that would be inappropriate if you were confronted by a bear with an injured paw, for example. Mm. If you felt empathy for that bear, now, by the time you finish saying, oh, you poor thing, look, let me see the paw, whack, you're dead, right? Yeah. By the time you've, you've been curious about whether it's a, a Norwegian bear or a brown bear or a black bear or whatever, you know, again, you're dead. So there are centers in the brain that have to do with curiosity, creativity, empathy, language, all of that, that are not helpful mm -hmm. when we are threatened. So they start to shut down which is why when you're angry or you're stressed, you don't know what to do. Mm. And you can't certainly get in touch with your intuition because your brain, those centers aren't functioning properly because you're getting ready to fight a yeah, bear. Yeah, it's putting all the power into I one. Can, totally I can inappropriate. attest to that completely. Right. Yes. And so what's happening then, uh, what's going on in your brain and your body is your heart is sending messages to the brain saying, go on, go on, stress, stress, <laughs> right? Yeah. All these si uh, sounds or signs. And that's because it's incoherent, it's very chaotic, and the brain's responding to that. So if you can get your heart rhythm to calm down and become more harmonious... Deep breaths. The deep breaths are you extend the exhale. So don't take a deep breath in, because if you're stressed, you already breathed in, Fine. and that's contributing to the chaos and the signals, the chaotic signals. And so the oxygen in the blood and all yeah. that. Yeah. So this is the business about women in labour having a straw. Imagine blowing, blowing the air out. Yeah. Very, very, very exactly. fine amount of air. So you start by exhaling. That's the one. That you start mm. by exhaling. Don't long, puff and puff. long exhale. And then you take a deep breath in and you breathe out again. Long exhale. So you breathe in for four counts, out for six. Okay. Wow. And you will notice immediately that your brain starts to switch on and you get more clarity. Now, maintaining that you know, requires that you actually go practice. off and change your, the way you feel, that yeah, you yeah. practice, yeah, and you do it when you're not stressed. Mm. So, for example, when you're on the tube or you're in an elevator or something, practice taking slow breaths, four, four counts in, six counts out. I am definitely going to do this. I have to say, there have been many times where we've had different people on the podcast and I've asked them sort of for some one, one magic tip and mm -hmm. response tends to be, well, there's no kind of one magic solution, but blah, 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 blah you know, read my book. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and read my book too. <laughs> yeah. But I am loving that. That is a, that's a fantastic. I think this could be really good for you, Rich. I think that's going to be brilliant. Yeah, that's really good. I think it's going to be good for both of us, but I particularly think it's going to be good for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not shy about talking about my uh, rage issues on the on, on the podcast. I mean, I'm not a complete raving lunatic. I should just point that out. You know, I'm talking about sort of kind of reasonably normal levels of I frustration in the home. That's I think it's <laughs> wonderful that you're talking about it because mm. I happen to know that there are lots and lots of people out there who have the same problem and yeah. I used to it myself mm. so and it's it's very important that we talk about it because Definitely. that Definitely. that way others are going to be inspired to actually do something about it and not feel like they're weird that seems like a really good point to point leave on which it to wrap today. up yeah absolutely Jennifer thank you very much for coming in I feel I feel I feel relaxed just having spoken about yeah. it yeah. um and I'm certainly going to go home tonight uh with double bedtime to uh to try and bring in some of those calming techniques I'm going to listen back to this recording and I'm going to start trying to implement some of this and most importantly I'm going to read your book and if you have listened to this recording and you have found some of the techniques we've spoken about 
useful, then please do drop us a line and leave us a message in the iTunes comments. And, uh, you know, it, it would be good to hear from you, especially if your name is Lindsay and you're married to Rich. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, do not do not write in. Um, the, uh, you, you can actually email us at um, firsttimedads at reachplc.com. So if you've got any questions or suggestions or just anything you want to get off your chest, please do drop us a line. As Steve says, please do leave us a review and a rating because it definitely helps. Um, and uh, we'll catch up with everybody next time. Thanks very much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. (laughs) 